Welcome back in. It's the Bill Michaels Show. Ben Kenny, Zach Heilprin in for Bill today. Welcome to the rest of the network joining us for the 11 o'clock hour. 877-867-1670, as always, is how you get a hold of the program. A lot of college football flavor today. There's a Twitter poll up, at Kenny. Are you, the fan, currently happy with the state of college football? Right now, 62% say no, 27% say they are happy, and 11% are down at nothing's changed. So, as I said going into the top of the hour break there, uh, you had this this morning. You said, if we were the Big Ten or if we were the SEC, what would are there programs that we would kick out, that we'd kick to the curb and, and move on without? And furthermore... Were there trades, the whole NBA trade machine hoopla where I could trade Grayson Allen for Kevin Durant, which I tried to do and it was accepted. Are there trades that we would try to make if we were the kings of the SEC or Big Ten? I guess first, did you have programs that sprouted to the top of the mind? If you were the Big Ten in five years and somehow you were allowed to do this, who would you kick out? Yes, I mean, obviously Rutgers would be at the top of that list. Nebraska would be, a, I mean, no, just kidding. Like this is, is this personal or am I talking about from the big 10? Oh, completely personal. Oh, okay. If it's personal, then yeah. Uh, Nebraska. Uh, Unnecessary. Rutgers. Cause I hate, I don't like going to New Jersey. Fair. Uh, but Mer- what about Wawa? Are you kidding me? Have you been to Wawa? Yes. And no. Wow. No. All right. No, no, no. Uh, you're a big Wawa guy. No, the biggest. Are you? There's one on the corner of my pre- house in Philadelphia. Do you prefer that or Quick Trip? Be careful now. I'm going to plead the fifth here. Yeah, Quick Trip, proud sponsor of this fine program. <laughs> uh, yeah, so those those two stand out. I, again, I, I'm not sure. Not sure. There was one that came to my mind more than any other. It's Maryland. Maryland is a Big East. Like Even Rutgers could feel a little big 10 maybe it's because greg shiano is their coach again uh and maybe it's just because they're that state school of new jersey and nothing goes on and then there's rutgers maryland though i maryland's a big east team to me maryland has never been in the big east i know but they feel like a big east team to me they feel like an acc team to me that's also fair i and think about it like rutgers could play football close to the brand of the big 10 maryland on the other hand like you look at maryland's team this year They have a quarterback that has the YOLO attributes to just throw it everywhere and see what happens. They have a lot of talent at the skill positions. They're going to be a pretty high-powered offense. And on defense, they have nothing. Like, that's not the Big Ten. Kind of is in some places. I mean, Purdue has been that for a long stretch, right? Now, Big Ten West, maybe not. Big Ten East? There's, there are quite a few teams that uh, try and throw the ball over the place, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Indiana will be one example of that uh, at times. Now their defense has improved in recent years, but I, I just I don't want to go to New Jersey anymore. Like I, I, I don't want to offend anybody that's from New Jersey, but like my trips to New Jersey have been horrible. Like they've been that those are the worst road trips ever. You're not the only one that's saying that about New Jersey. I've said it since I was three years old. The first time I ever went there, I got set up in a, a quality inn, <laughs> and it was the farthest thing from quality. Whose fault was that, though? Was that your Not fault mine. or Jersey's fault? It was Jersey. Well, it was the person that 
booked it's fault, which was not me. But it's Jersey's fault for saying a quality in, a three-star quality in, was not a three-star quality in. It was a piece of crap. And, uh, like, you go, you walk in there, and the bed is like cardboard. You go in the bathroom, it's roaches. It's just, it was horrible. It was it's just, where all the murders happen in old Western drug movies. Yeah, it was, it was horrible. So that's kind of where my start of New Jersey was. And I just, I, yeah, I'd, I'd be okay with not having to go see Rutgers and, and football or basketball again. So that'd be why I would kick them out in terms of, but I feel like there's a trade here as well that could potentially um, be of um, benefit. And that is somehow getting PJ Fleck out of the big 10. So let's go to the trades because <laughs> I, I wrote one down and I think you might have a better one, but one of the first trades I would make, I would take PJ Fleck. I would trade him to the CFL. <laughs> I would send him up to Canada for cash considerations or a player to be named later, which doesn't ever turn into a player. Give me like a 2027 16th round conditional selection. No, in the MLB draft. You talk about, you talk about cash considerations. I'll pay you. (laughs) We, we send money along with him. Nothing back. I don't want anything back. We send money with him. He can go row his boat up in Canada for the rest of his life or go to the USFL, have that thing shut down and him not have a job. I have rowed boats in Canada. It is actually an enjoyable experience. I'm sure it is. Probably but, more but, so. It's beautiful up there. I think he'd have fun. Yeah, uh, but it's but it's it's he'd still be in the boat with him. You want a salary dump PJ Fleck to the CFL. That's want, a good idea. I want I, 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 yes. If I again, if I never had to talk or think about PJ Fleck again, it'd be amazing. So, here's a little more serious one that I came up with. I mentioned Maryland is the one I would get out of the Big 10. How about this? Maryland, trade trade Maryland to the ACC, assuming the ACC stays a conference, and I'll give them Notre Dame hockey. They could take Notre Dame hockey. I don't know if they play hockey in the ACC. I don't think they do. They might not, but that's not important for this exercise. Okay. Notre Dame already plays basketball there. Give them a hockey program. Give me Virginia. Virginia feels a little more Big Ten-like than Maryland does. And I know they're a little more Southern, but... I don't know. There's uh, an ACC hockey league, but it's called the Atlantic Coast Collegiate Hockey League, and I can't seem to find uh, anything about it. So, Well, Notre Dame would elevate that profile. I think it'd be very lucrative for the ACC to do that. Plus, you get Maryland, who every year, everyone talks about how great they are at basketball. Turns into not so amazing. I, You know, give us Virginia. So, um, NC State has a team. Virginia Tech has a team. That could be like Division Two. I think it might be because Virginia, West Virginia, Georgetown. I don't know. Either way, set in there. Division Two, Notre Dame. It's all good. Oh, uh, so I'm I'm told by uh, our guy RJ that it's a club hockey league. Okay. So like kind of like Wisconsin has club baseball. Yes. That's what they have. Um, I would trade. Eh, no, we're not going to talk about Wisconsin and baseball. Today. <laughs> I don't want to get into all that. Uh, other ones I had written down. Speaking of Virginia, how about this one? I, I would trade if I were Wisconsin slash the Big Ten. I'll give them both Final Four banners from 2014-15 uh, from those years. Whatever cheese curds are available in this state. And two unlimited Cole Center boxes to Virginia for Tony Bennett. I might even throw Greg Gard in there. It seems like a, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a good trade uh, in, in your mind. I Yeah, I, I don't know. I, 
Uh, There's no possibility I don't know what there. To say here. I, I don't know what to say here. It's not going to happen. But what what do, what do they get for the banners? Do, get, do they get to put their logo up there on something or, or what? Because they already have a national championship banner that's chilling up there. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Um, All right. You just want Tony Bennett. I, I want Tony Bennett. Because you enjoy extremely high-scoring basketball with very bad defense. I think he perfectly fits what Wisconsin could do well. Would he be successful at Wisconsin? Uh, 100%. Okay. I mean, Greg Gard's been successful at Wisconsin. He has been. Two Big Ten titles in the last three years, and you want to ship him out. Yeah, I, shipping him out is a strong term. Uh, it's not. You want to include him in a trade, and you're giving up cheese curds uh, and and uh, banners that have no affiliation whatsoever with Virginia to try and get Tony Bennett back. The cheese curd thing would help my diet, so that's <laughs> partly a personal thing. But, yeah, I love Tony Bennett. Um, how about this one? I, I also had uh, trade Jawan Howard. To the UFC for Conor McGregor. Okay, but eh, then that's that's a good trade. Except, I mean, does does Juwan Howard actually have to then fight? I don't know. Okay, because because he might have his players do it instead. He might, or he might be <laughs> held back and you know slapping people, slapping Joel Kravenhoff. Um, Conor McGregor would be a very interesting addition to the Big Ten for sure. How about the ultimate buy low? And this one, none of these are possible, but this one actually is rooted in less of a joke. Maryland for Kansas. I think the Big Ten would take that in a second. Yeah. Uh, Except the fact that what does Kansas Kansas bring other than a good basketball team? Well, my point is I would like to buy low on their football program under Lance Leopold and figure that they could be headed in a good direction. He'll play some good defense. He has Wisconsin ties. Maybe they could come and be better than the bottom dwellers. Maybe they could come and be better than Illinois. If Wisconsin keeps raiding the state of Illinois for all the recruits, can't tell me Kansas can't elevate themselves to close to Illinois' caliber. I think Lance Highpold is going to turn that into something relatively good. Yeah, so we're buying low here. They beat Texas. <laughs> they beat Texas. Texas is back, though. They got Arch Manning. Definitely got Arch Manning. They got Quinn Ewers. They're back. I would trade Maryland for Arch Manning. Oh, for sure. But where does Arch Manning end up? I don't think it matters, just for overall interest in the conference. I would trade Maryland for Arch Manning and put Arch Manning on Indiana, and I can make the argument they would contend for the Big Ten title. So we're, we're crowning guys before they get into college already. How'd that, how'd that go for Wisconsin? I, I'm, crowning, I'm crowning him. It's because of the name. Oh, okay. Gotcha. If you had to take, and I heard this discussion, it was a really good one, uh, would you take minus money right now that Arch Manning is a Heisman finalist during his career at Texas? No, I would. I would. Because you put him up against, let's say he's a good season and Texas is okay. You put him up against other quarterbacks with similar numbers. The name recognition is just automatically up there. His, I mean, his uncle didn't win. His uncle lost to a defensive player. True. His brother, uh, his, uh, his other uncle didn't win. Also true. Why would just because the last name Manning, like it's, it's a big deal because of the last name. That's why he's recruiting. But if he's not any good, or if he even has like a, if he has a good season for a average Texas team, he's not going to be in, in the conversation. I mean, if the numbers were equitable between him and let's say an Ole Miss quarterback for a good, te- for a good Texas team, for a good competitive, but not amazing Texas team. No, for Unless, a Texas team that is better than Louisville was when Lamar won. As we've seen the Heisman trophy since I'd probably say uh, 
Robert Griffin III, when Baylor was okay, but he was amazing, has gone to the best player on the best team for the most part. Yeah, which is a shame last year because... Oh, yeah, you're, very, you're still... Bryce still Young was that. not the best player on that Alabama team. And Aiden Hutchinson was not the best edge defender in the country. You want to hear who I voted for? Do you have a vote? Hell yeah. Who'd you vote for? Eight, you know how many people have a vote in this country? That's why, that's why it's kind of a sham. Too many? Way too many. <laughs> you have a vote. There's example yes. one. Yes. There's like 900 or 1,000 people that have did a vote. Did you vote for Bryce Young? Of course I did. All right. I can't fault you there. Did you put Will Anderson second? No. That's a joke. Did you put CJ Stroud second? I did. Will Anderson third? No. Did you put Hutchinson third? I did. Come on. Did you see what Will Anderson did? In what? He blew Aiden Hutchinson out of the water in almost every category. He just... On Alabama, and Bryce Young took all the all the praise. Yeah, tough scene for him. Tough scene for all the voters out uh, for all the people that were pushing for Will Anderson to be the, the, the finalist. Yeah, whatever. It was a joke. All right, six zero eight eight seven seven. Excuse me, eight six seven sixteen seventy. When we come back, Scott Doctorman covers Iowa football for the Athletic, talking Big Ten, the future of college football, what the scheduling model could look like. Will divisions stay? We'll see. He's joining us next. It's Ben Kenny and Zach Heilprin in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, welcome back in Bill Michael's Show. Ben Kenny, Zach Heilprin in for Bill today. 877-867-1670. That's how you get a hold of the program. Let's go to the phones. Joining us now on the line, he covers Iowa football for the athletic. The overseer of all things scheduling is is what I've tabbed him. Scott Doctorman. Scott, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you today? Uh, we're good. I think it's welcome that it's early July and there's been stuff to talk about pretty much all off season. While I'm a little bit tired of it, it has definitely been welcome for people in our shoes. Most definitely. I mean, most of the time we, if we haven't last three years, really with the, whether it's COVID or realignment and other things, if before that, I mean, we'd be talking about which uh, football team reminds us most of a star Wars character. So <laughs> I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely appreciative of, uh, appreciative of the actual real topics to discuss or which Nebraska quarterback was, is going to be a Heisman dark horse or which Nebraska <laughs> team is going to be a sleeper to reach the playoff. Um, I want to ask you, so now that we're pretty much a week out of the craziness of UC LA and USC joining the big 10, and then a lot of stuff has surfaced since then. What are your overall thoughts on where the big 10 and where college football is heading? Yeah, it's really interesting because, uh, you know, we all want to kind of project and and go uh, quick twitch with what's going to happen next and what's going to look like in another year or three years down the road. But but really, you know, the Big Ten has never been that type to just take a big bite. Uh, it takes nibbles and it takes big nibbles, but they're still nibbles. And so um, we immediately jump to. Well, this isn't the only move they're going to make. They're going to grab Oregon. They're going to grab Washington. Maybe you know Utah or the Phoenix market and and Notre Dame. But I really think that they are at a at a pause. And um, but that said, Notre Dame is the one that they will continue to search for. And if they can somehow grab Notre Dame, they will. But I'm not so sure that they're focused on the other schools of the Pac-12 because in a year from now, if they wanted them. To bring them in they could so 
I think right now we're at a 16-team Big Ten with the potential for 17, but I'm not, I wouldn't bet that it's going to be 19, 20, 22 anytime soon. When it comes to Notre Dame, what do you think forces their hand in terms of joining the Big Ten? Is it, is it money? Is it the college football playoff access? What do you think would force them into a conference? I think it's a combination of both and potentially scheduling beyond that. I mean, you know, it depends on what's the access level for the college football playoff. I think we all expect it to be 12 um, in, in the coming years in 2026 and beyond. That's probably something that Notre Dame can still get into. But uh, do, do they want to get into it when you haven't played the type of schedule that the teams in the Big Ten and SEC have? That That's really got to be a concern. And then you also look at the USC factor. That's probably – Notre Dame's greatest rival, and it's going to be in the Big Ten. What There's still going to be an opportunity to play them, but not quite to the same uh, a level of flexibility that USC has once had. And then, of course, money is, is a big issue. I looked it up, the, I think the last pre-COVID year, the Big Ten teams were earning right around $55 million. The ACCs, or, or the Pac-12s, I should say, were right around $32 million. And, and Notre Dame's singular contract with with uh, NBC is right around what Pac-12 teams play you know receive and, and I think in some respects it's not that big of a deal for them to be off by you know 20 million I mean it sounds like a lot but because their donors make up for it but if they're off by 40 50 million dollars they've got to be looking at it saying we're going to lose you know have diminished uh, input on the sport and our brand could be wavering if you're not in one of those two conferences. So I expect Notre Dame to, to really bet this hard, you know, very strongly before making a final decision. So do you think in that light, do you think it is the big 10 or bust or do you, like, do you think you could handicap maybe which conference it could be that they would join? I think it'd have to be the Big Ten has to be the very big favorite here. I mean, for a million reasons, and, and well, you know, eighty million plus probably most of all revenue-wise. But now that USC is in, in it, that's again their main rival. I think that makes it imperative that the Notre, that Notre Dame would want to be in it. Plus, the the historical ties with Purdue, Michigan, Michigan State, and other teams around the league and. And uh, and if you're going to get that kind of revenue and you're going to have an opportunity to compete, I think Notre Dame's better opportunity it comes within the Big Ten simply because of style of play. I think it can compete in the Big Ten a little bit easier than the SEC where, you know, there, it's a little bit more athlete-centric um, that Notre Dame doesn't, always, although they are number one in recruiting rankings right now, but I'm not sure that they match up the best week in and week out in that environment versus the Big Ten. So I think, uh, you know, it would make a ton of sense Plus, if they bring in their other sports, which I'm sure they have to figure out some sort of exit strategy with the ACC for that, uh, you know, you're looking at reduced travel, um, high impact environments. I, I think it makes a ton of sense if the Big Ten, if uh, Notre Dame decides to go that route. So I would put it at 90, 10, 90 being the Big Ten and 10 everywhere else. Scott Docterman joining us uh, at Scott Docterman on Twitter covers Iowa and Big Ten football for the athletic. So you've done a lot about scheduling and the future of what the Big Ten could look like. That all came out before this craziness of conference realignment and USC and UCLA. 
if you had to project now, like we've seen the ACC go away from divisions, what do you think the alignment looks like and what the scheduling looks like four or five years down the road when these moves are made? With a 16-team Big Ten now with USC and UCLA, I mean, first of all, i got to throw out everything I've rejected up until then. But I, I think the easiest scheduling plan is 3-6-6, which I know the SEC is contemplating as well, which is everybody protects three rivals, um, and then you cycle through everybody else six years or six teams on one year, six the next, or, you know, every other year, you know, some, some like two years on, two years off over a four-year period. That's a pretty easy scheduling model to, to go through. And then at the end of four years, you can make adjustments. And, and part of that would be, for instance, let's say, you know, the four teams in the West, Nebraska potentially doesn't play Wisconsin, but Wisconsin plays Iowa, Minnesota, and maybe Northwestern and, and in that kind of realm. And then maybe at the end of four years, if, you know, let's say Northwestern's trended downward, but Wisconsin's playing really well, maybe the Big Ten shakes it up for a four-year block and says, well, maybe we want to see you play uh, Michigan State or maybe play Penn State or, or USC for that four-year block instead of Northwestern. I think that would be something that would be welcomed by teams because I've, I've identified probably 11, 12, 13 rivalries that make sense to play every year no matter what. But But beyond that, there's a lot that are, you know, you, you could rotate them if you need to. And I, I so I could kind of see that model going forward and it would be helpful for a you know a usc to say play ucla of course every year penn state maybe for the first four-year block and then and then switch it around maybe a purdue uh for four years maybe illinois maybe um you know a michigan you know i, I think there's a lot of room for for maneuver maneuverability uh after a four-year block long term though scott if it turns into a 20 team conference if like if way down the stretch I, I, I guess i don't know how long <laughs> down the road this would be but would you still be able to go without divisions in a conference that big say it's 20 24 teams would you still be able to go away from divisions or you, would you have to have them i think you'd have to have some sort of pod structure if you get that deep because i don't know how you're going to create a championship game where you might have you know three or four teams that maybe played one common opponent among two or three of them uh, so I, I think there's going to have to be a pod structure, either that, or you make a two tiered playoff structure with like four teams. And, uh, and if you're inviting teams from the West coast, it only makes sense that they play one another in football and all sports, of course, which I think is probably a bigger deal. And, uh, and so you might have to pot it up a little bit, but, but then there's going to be some really nasty cuts somewhere in the middle you know, and somewhere on the East to try to divide that up. And, you know, you want to make sure that Penn state plays Ohio state, that Wisconsin plays Minnesota and Iowa uh, if you can. And, and so if they go 20 or more, yeah, probably some sort of pod structure and probably a, a four team playoff instead of just a, a traditional championship game. Scott, a couple more uh, before we let you go. Take me into Iowa City right now and the thoughts around that team. Obviously, Big Ten West winners last year. uh, Crazy turnover differential on the defensive side of the ball. Yet an offense that, you know, did struggle a lot. How are people where are people at going into the year? I think they're hopefully uh, they're a little bit optimistic, but I think that they are realistic when it comes to the offense, which is. Uh, it needs better quarterback play. The quarterback play has not been good the last couple of years, and 
And so they're kind of an outlier, if you will, that they actually won the Big Ten West with that type of uh, offense in general. I mean, it was in the 120s in so many different categories that you have a hard time thinking that it can replicate that and win the West once again. So it needs better quarterback play. I think the areas that were, uh, you know, that struggled last year, like offensive line and running game, I, I think there's an expectation for improvement there, especially along the offensive line. Defensively, they'll be in great shape. They've got a tremendous linebacking core, uh, a lot of really good young players up front on the defensive line that you'd expect them last year to struggle a little more than they did. So when they still had 31 sacks, you looked at it and go, well, that's that's pretty good after losing some really good players. And then, you know, secondary dropped, will drop a little bit, but they, you know, bring in some really um, talented young players, you know, a five-star and Xavier Wampa, for instance, and a four-star and Cooper DeGene, who've got his first playing experience last year at Madison. So I, I would expect the defense to compete at a very high level. But I think it's like any team in the upper echelon of the West Division. It's uh, <laughs> it's kind of like the end of Rocky Two, I think, between uh, or among uh, Spencer Petras, Graham Mertz, and Tanner Morgan. If if you can get up off the mat and stand up, you're going to win the West. But <laughs> right now, I think all three are, are pretty similar in that regard. It, it, is Spencer Petras the guy, or is there going to be a competition there um, between at, whether it's Alex Petit or somebody else? There's a competition, but I think Alex or but Spencer Petras will probably be the guy. He's um, he's been the number one through the spring, through most of the summer. I think they'd like to see another guy emerge if possible, but uh, he knows the offense really well, and and th- it's kind of a risk averse strategy, which I know you're you're all very accustomed to in Madison, and same thing here in Iowa City, which is just don't lose the game for us. That's kind of the strategy sometimes a quarterback, and uh, I think that's going to be the case here where. Uh, you know, Spencer did, has worked a lot with a, an outside coach who, um, you know, works with Joe Flacco and, and Kenny Pickett. His name's Tony Rassiopi, and so he has gotten a little better there. And then he went to the Matting Academy as well. So they do think that he's going to make some strides. And I've had even some assistants say, yeah, he's actually, pre- you know, been pretty good this spring. And, and maybe assistants that aren't necessarily uh, always cheerful about the quarterback <laughs> position so I, I would i would expect him to be the starter early uh but we'll see what happens against the iowa state and maybe Rutgers to see if he keeps it scott last one before i let you go if you had to today on july 8th handicap what the top of the big 10 west could look like what's your sense of maybe who the favorites are and where you see them all lining up with iowa wisconsin minnesota purdue and nebraska I can't pick Nebraska above fifth. I'm just, I'm, I saw that some of the uh, Vegas lines out on them and I'm like, you know, they fool you every year. So until they actually do it, I'm not picking them above anything more than fifth. Uh, Purdue, I think that they lost a lot. Um, they have a great quarterback, easily the best quarterback in the West. But, you know, Milton Wright you know, left the program and no David Bell. And I know that makes people here cheer um, and pop champagne corks. But, yes. And then no, no George Karloftis. So I'm putting them fourth. I think among the other three, it's who can kind of establish the line of scrimmage. Um, I, I put Iowa and Wisconsin one and two in some order, and I'd say flip a coin. The game's here in Iowa City, uh, but I think it's going to come down to the tr- the last two years have kind of been outliers in that that they've been you know three touchdown victories for each team. I think it's going to be one of those thirteen to ten, sixteen to thirteen games where it's going to come down to 
uh, a quarterback draw on a, on a two point conversion gets stopped at the inch line, like uh, 2018. It's, it's flip a coin for me right now. I just want to see which quarterback performs. And then that's the team I'll pick to win the West. That remains the loudest hit that I can remember. I was standing on goal line when it was, that was 2019, right? The, um, uh, yeah, 19. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah with the Chris, <laughs> Chris Orr coming in and, and stopping that right goal line. That was an amazing play before we let you go though. I, I do need to get your answer. If you were to compare Iowa to a star Wars character, who, <laughs> who would it, who would it be then? That's a great question. I, I would have to search my mind. I've always compared Iowa to that like 38-year-old construction worker, you know, that's sitting at the end of the bar in a flannel shirt. And, uh, you know, they've got a mug of beer in their hands. And they're one of those guys that, yeah, they don't look too tough at, at times. You know, they look grizzled. But you get them outside, and, and it's going to take you a long time to win. You might win. You might be better. But, it, you know, you know what you're going to be in for a not long fight. So I guess – I would, I would just say that's the type of description I give for Iowa. Gotcha. <laughs> Love it. Scott, really appreciate the time, man. Look forward to following along as we get into the season. And, I mean, I hope you share this sentiment with me. I, I just need a football game to talk about. This is all getting too crazy. I agree. I started writing about recruiting, and I'm kind of done with that, too. I just want to talk about the real thing. And, and let's face it, if there's one thing that I've wanted for realignment, going way back, even the, you know when Nebraska joined the league, is keep Iowa-Wisconsin together. They're, yes. they're kissing cousins. They're, they're, they're built in the same tenets and principles, different styles. But I love that series, and I just don't want to see it go away on an annual basis. I think it's good for the game. Great for the fans of both teams, and and it really would be a, a downer to me if, if that series goes away. Yeah, I share that. I'm sure all of our listeners do as well. Scott, really appreciate the time. All right, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. There he is, Scott Doctorman. He is on Twitter at Scott Doctorman. Covers Iowa football and Big Ten football for the Athletic. Awesome stuff. If you like Big Ten football at all, Big Ten West football, he's a must follow. He is all over it. <clears throat> All right, 877-867-1670. We're going to step away, take a quick break. More on all this college football craziness. Uh, Maybe I'll get into Zach's Star Wars mind when we come back. It's Ben Kenny and Zach Heilprin in for Bill Michaels. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back in. It's the Bill Michaels show. Ben Kenny's at Kyle Print in for Bill. If you miss anything on the show, the podcast will be up. Search the Bill Michaels show wherever you get podcasts. Any interviews you miss, any topics you want to revisit, that's always available. Zach and my show we did last night on Notre Dame's future college football realignment. Whether Wisconsin has a quarterback recruiting problem, that's also available. Search Kenny and Heilprin. There's a Twitter poll up. On my Twitter, Ben Z. Kenny, right now. Are you happy with the current state of college football? 61.3% say no. Uh, right now, 27.4% say yes. And 113 still say that nothing has changed. I, so Scott brought up something towards the end that I want to visit a little bit. Whenever we reach the end game of this, if there ever is an end game, 
how how can we keep Wisconsin and Iowa together playing? And I believe that they will. I and I agree that I that's a series that needs to continue forever. The question I want to ask is you agree with that, correct? Yes. The question I want to ask is what are the other ones? Because when everyone throws out the rivalry, like we're talking about the three protected rivals and all that, Wisconsin would have Iowa, Minnesota, and the third one everyone throws out is Nebraska. And I'm sure you are less fond of that say than some others. I personally don't really care as much about that specific one. I know exactly which one you care about. But would there be another that you would say that you would want to see continue throughout whenever we reach this end game off in the future? No. Just no. Iowa, Minnesota? That's the only, those are the only two that matter. I don't consider Nebraska rivalry. You actually have to win that game more than once a decade. I mean, it's they haven't won since 2012. Nebraska, that is. And they played almost every year. Not every year, but they played almost every year since then. It's so, I mean, it's just, it's not a rivalry. I, I went to Lincoln in 20, must be, it was 2019, I think it actually was, down there. When and JT went crazy? One well, of he, the, went, he went crazy almost every time. One of the times JT went crazy? Yeah. So they have that stupid trophy that Gary Anderson uh, <laughs> and uh, what's his name? Uh, it wasn't Bo Pelini. Eh, it might have been Bo Pelini. Either way, they, they came up with this trophy. Riley? It wasn't Mike Riley. was 2015, same year as Paul Chris came out. But they came up with this this ridiculous trophy, and uh, it just I – was, I was there waiting for Wisconsin players to come over and pick it up and like, carry it off because that's what they do with the pig, and that's what they do with the axe. And I sat there for, like, minutes. Nobody came and got it after the game. <laughs> Wisconsin wins this game, and nobody comes and gets it. And all of a sudden – That I think, was the I, first game that this was in existence? No, this is, like, the third or fourth time. The only okay. time I've ever seen them, like, run towards it was the Melvin game, which I think was the first year that they had the trophy. Uh, and they – but it was also, like, the moment of what Melvin had just done. There was, there was a whole lot of emotion in it. Yeah. So, But in 2019, it sat there. And I remember do it like doing like a video like players trophy players <laughs> trophy no one coming to pick it up so uh, I, I can't it, imagine that happening with the axe or the no, big ever it never would ever. it never would so but they so they finally I think like some staff people were like hey, come over and get this thing <laughs> uh, and they did and uh, and carried it off and they took their pictures with it and all that good stuff but it it's not a rivalry and Zach Bond said as much before the game it's not so it's not one that has to be maintained. The idea that Northwestern is one that has to be maintained is even more ridiculous in my mind than Nebraska. Why? Because they've had some close games because uh, Northwestern has actually beaten Wisconsin on, on a semi. Well, actually, that's, I call it a regular basis, especially down in Evanston. But there's there's nothing good about that rivalry. Like there's no bad blood or anything uh, at this point. People don't. I mean, Northwestern fans don't care. There's, there's, there's no fans to care about down there. <laughs> 11 a.m. games at, at Evanston are pointless. So I don't think that there is another team that you would sit there and say they have to play them every single year. Maybe maybe it becomes Illinois if they turn if Brett Bielma turns that around. But even that, I don't even know if that makes sense. So it's Iowa and it's Minnesota. And, and throw somebody else in there if you want to. But it, those are really the only two that matter. Believe it or not, I agree. No, you don't. You desperately want them to play Northwestern. No, I year. like them. I love that game. I take a lot of joy in watching it, but I also don't think it needs to be the every year to the level of Iowa and Minnesota. I agree. I think it should be Minnesota. I think it should be Iowa. And then the third, if there needs to be a third, you can maybe cycle guys out. All right, 877-867-1670. Let's go to the phones. Line one, you're in the Bill Michaels show. Who do we got? 
My name's Dave. How's everything going with you guys? Dave, how are you? I'm doing okay. See, I'm glad Zach's on today. I've been wanting to ask him a question, seeing as how he's the Badger insider and all of that. Yeah, shoot. Go ahead. When I look at when I look at some of the uh, uh, what recruits that Wisconsin is getting for football, the teams that they're competing against don't really instill a lot of confidence in me. <laughs> I mean, we're talking Mac schools and uh, you know, like uh, Western Michigan and things like that. Once in a while, in Illinois and a Purdue. I guess I just I'm driving, so I'm just going to ask uh, Zach what his thoughts are on the strength of the recruiting of the people that they're recruiting. So thanks for taking my call. I'm going to hang up now. Yeah. I appreciate it, Dave. Call again. I think it's an interesting question and it's also an interesting time because uh, as Ben knows and, and Wisconsin fans know they reached a high point a few years ago, right? When they finished 16th in the rankings, when it was Saeed Khalif that you give all the credit in the world to that, I think did a good job. You're obsessed with. <laughs> um, who's who's now at Michigan State, and and things are a little bit different. But I think if you go back and look, I I I, I don't want to say rain, I don't want to say stars don't matter and offers from other teams don't matter. They do to an extent, but I, this is always who they've been. Do you know what I mean? Like this is always who they've been for the last thirty years. This is they're going to recruit players that fit their system, that fit their style. Sometimes, like, if they're not worried that another team hasn't offered. You know what I mean? Like, there are, the teams will come into Wisconsin and offer players on the state level, and Wisconsin hasn't offered yet. They wait to see them at camp. They wait to see them personally. I feel like that is, that's kind of what's made them good. They're not trying to follow anybody. Yeah, if anything, I feel like Wisconsin has done a terrific job at – not ignoring what the rankings are, but they've been good at being early on a lot of players. You look at the Graham Mertz thing. That's one of the, the reasons reason they got him. One, yeah, the reason they got him is because they were offering before all the big name programs. And you could look at some of their classes and point out like a bunch of the guys only have offers from like Illinois or something. But I, I have reached a point as a fan of the program that I trust in their their whole process in evaluating the guys that if they're offering somebody that a bunch of programs haven't offered. I would say that's more of an indictment on the other programs because Wisconsin has shown a long-term ability of getting guys in that fit well and that turn into really good players. Well, I think it's also worthwhile to note that they have uh, those when they do that, other teams take another look and end up off. A lot of them end up offering them. Um, I'm like when you're in on a guy very, very early and you, and you, you offer him, and maybe, maybe we need to take another look at that. And, and basketball has been the same way. Basketball. Like I feel like Wisconsin, <laughs> offers recruits and all of a sudden three weeks later they blow up and everybody in the world is offering them it's certainly been that way but wisconsin's top recruit in this what in this 2023 class right now is is uh three-star quarterback jace arnold out of, out of georgia had offers from georgia florida i don't know if that was a committal offer or not but uh florida like he there are there are some big name t- schools that are after a lot of these these kids jack Wes keys has an offer from michigan like towards Separate levels, yes. Some of these guys are getting offers from just max schools. Yet a lot of the guys that they have ended up with with offers like that have turned out pretty good. Uh, I'll, I'll say Alec Ingold is one of them. Uh, T.J. Edwards is another one that, that stands out. Guys like that that are, are not heavily recruited turn out to be just really, really good players.
it's one of those things where, let's say Wisconsin has gone through in the last 20 years, if this had happened, a long stretch of the recruiting rankings aren't high and the team just doesn't pan out on the field. If that had been the case, maybe I would bat an eye and say, why aren't they going after guys that other big programs have? But you mentioned a couple examples. I mean, I, I haven't done this, but if I go through since 2010 or even since Paul Chris took over in 2015, what is their track record at the guys that don't have the best offers, but they come to Wisconsin? What's that track record of those guys panning out? I would assume it's more often than not they do. Well, go look at 2019. The, the second lowest recruit rated recruit in that class was Keanu Benton. He's about to become, I mean, he's already an all big 10 nose tackle. He's going to be considered uh, an NFL draft pick. The highest guy in that class was five-star recruit Logan Brown, who has yet to start a game in his career. And while potentially could be the right tackle this year, doesn't seem likely at this point, but like the, the, it, Stars matter because if you look at who wins the national championship every year, it's Ohio State, it's it's Alabama, it's Georgia, it's Clemson, and all those schools recruit extremely, extremely well. But I think with Wisconsin, it's about finding guys that fit your system and fit who you are and, and winning that way. I agree completely. 877-867-1670. We're going to step away, take a quick break. Coming up in the next hour, we're scheduled to be joined by Braylon Allen. Coming up at 1 o'clock, Matt Zemek my guy that covers USC football here to talk more about their move to the big 10. It's Ben Kenny, Zach Heilprin in for bill Michaels. This is the bill Michaels show on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network. Welcome back in Bill Michaels show. Ben Kenny, Zach Heilprin in for Bill today. He again is on vacation all through next week. Myself and Grant Bills are taking you through uh, Monday to Friday coming up here next week. Twitter polls still up at Ben Z. Kenny, are you happy right now with the current state of college football? 62% say no. 27% side with yes. And 11 say that nothing has changed. I think the bigger question is: there, Will it change how you watch college football? Will it change? Will, will because of that? Will you stop watching college football? I think most people would answer no. I won't stop. Yes, but they could still watch with some hesitancy. For instance, am I going to stop watching the NFL, or am I going to stop watching Washington Commanders games because their owner's a complete scumbag and a pervert? I, like what? What? First of all, you this you're, you, the Big Ten's gotten a bit of a uh, some shots from you, some, some ricochets here, uh, comparing what's happening in college football in the Big Ten to Daniel Snyder and the crap show that is the Washington Commanders. You also put out Live Golf uh, and, and compared it to it as well, based and and had to at least acknowledge the Saudi thing, being like, uh, this is well, ass. I withheld. I compared it because of the money differences withholding the fact that <laughs> but I'm just saying like you gotta find something better to compare the Saudi to. regime is you know largely abusive and homophobic and have a horrible track record with human rights I compare the commanders thing to say that when they're on TV will that stop me from watching them probably not because it's the NFL and everyone's still gonna watch it yes but I will be watching it still with the thought of 
their owners are scumbag. Some people might be watching the Big Ten thinking, ugh, we won't get the Rose Bowl anymore. <laughs> there, I guarantee there are people like that, and yet you'd be like, all right, that's okay. Wisconsin is still a school that's going to matter 40 years down the line. Which is all that matters. Put the me in media and the I. Yeah. All right, we're going to step up. You're going to step away, take a quick break. More of the Bill Michaels Show coming up next. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.